Hello, my name is Tom Dunn. I run Orbion, a technology-based finance company, which normally means I'm traveling across the world to any one of the 53 countries in which the company does business. COVID-19 has dramatically altered this world and the way we are working. In this series of podcasts, I will be joined by guests who share their expert and insightful perspectives on the pandemic's impact on a wide range of subjects, including business, people, economies, the environment, technologies, finance, and sport. For this piece, I have the great pleasure to be joined from his home in Dublin by journalist and businessman Gordon Darcy. First called into the Ireland rugby squad while still at school, Gordon went on to win 82 caps over more than a decade of what can be readily described as a golden era of Irish rugby. After retiring in 2015, Gordon is now best known as an acclaimed sports journalist for both print and TV media. It is to this subject that we will turn our attention today, COVID-19 and the world of sport. Gordon, it's a real pleasure to have you uh, to join, uh, join me this morning for this, uh, for this in the latest of our series of podcasts. And I guess I want to start by just asking you, how, for sports people, professional sportsmen, how are they finding COVID-19? How are they adjusting to the challenges that the pandemic is bringing about? Okay, thanks, Tom. Thanks uh, for having me on. Um, and it's a, it's a really, really interesting uh, question, um, particularly for from, I suppose, I'd probably look back through my career and kind of see, was there anything that possibly mirrored it? Um, and, you know, I think the closest thing that will explain, give, I suppose, from a, an athlete's perspective would be around an injury. Um, so for some players, um, that will be fine. Um, but the the I suppose the, the best way of looking at it is you've kind of 60% of the players are going to be fine. You've got 20% at either end that this is going to really affect. And it's going to affect from a, a couple of different uh, ways. But if you just talk about the 60% guys, the guys who are, you know, in the middle of their careers, they're fit, they're healthy. This is a, this is a great opportunity to actually come back from the actual stress and the strains of being a professional athlete. So whether you're a soccer player, you know, an NBA basketballer, uh, Aussie rules player, Irish rugby player, even a Gaelic player, um, whatever, whatever that might be, you're getting a, you're getting a free pass. You're getting a chance to refresh the body, refresh the mind, all those bits and pieces. This is a nothing but a bonus. And for some people, spending time with your family that you wouldn't ordinarily ordinarily get. I'm sure if you're an English cricketer, you'd be heading off on a three, four month tour at this um, in in around now. People that are going to struggle is, um, and that's right, then you have the 20%, the people who are just the, you know, the LeBron James, the Messies, the people like that who have, you know, um, at, at the high end of the scale, or the people who are just so mentally resilient that they're using this as an opportunity to develop a new skill or something like that. They're the people that, you know, ad- adversity doesn't really seem to affect. It tends to actually make them quite strong, more stronger. There's a certain co- cohort, though, that time is running out for them maybe it's age you know and i know firsthand that six months is a lifetime in rugby i benefited from at the start of my career didn't make a world cup in 2003 and then in 2004 got thrust into the uh, into the six nations and kick, re- reignited my career but i also got the sharp end of that stick at the end of my career um you know 2014 um started the november internationals and then two three four five months later missed the whole six nations didn't get picked didn't get selected and failed to make the 2015 world cup squad so time waits for no man that age-old uh saying 
So for some players, they're going to be at, at, a, at a stage in their career where this could not be coming at a worse time. For some players, it's around um, contract negotiations. For some players, it's around where their ne- where where the next club is going to come from. Has a deal fallen through? You know, where they try. You know, financial security. There's huge, huge uncertainty for a certain cohort in the in the professional sport. So for some people, this will be a brilliant opportunity but unfortunately there is a i suppose a, a business reality and an economic reality that's creeping into professional sport that may not have been there before yeah that's very interesting so do you think that the um sports are doing sufficient to 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 protect or to be mindful of these um in many respects kind of psychological let's leave aside the financial challenges the kind of the psychological challenges the fact that somebody has been training for the last three and a half years for an olympics that has now been postponed um and for which their selection sometime in 2021 was no longer an assured uh, a position how do you think sports bodies are addressing that sufficiently yeah, and I think that's come in. That particular aspect has come through um, more and more in the in the professional game and in general society around mindfulness and and the approach to it. And when mindfulness is is a part of professional sport, it's more around that mental uh, mental resilience. Um, and it's a, a, a friend of mine, Ender McNulty from McNulty Performance, who uses you use various different tools to help people to so if you're using the example of the olympics so if you're an athlete and you're focusing on the olympics you've taken your eye off the day-to-day um the day-to-day grind or the day-to-day ability to perform to keep going to that so you kind of focus on what you can control as an athlete and that's the day-to-day activity and that helps remove the enormity of the uh, of, of the scenario because there's a huge amount whether it is business or sport tom that there is a huge vacuum of clarity. Um, so for players if and athletes that if you focus on all oh, what might happen or what could happen, you can go down a very, very dark path. So a lot of the mental um, and the the mental aspect will be around focusing on what you can control. And that always becomes the day-to-day aspect of it. There's a great saying we had in, uh, in, in, in rugby was you will be what you do every day. Um, so for an awful lot of athletes, it'll be around goal setting and bringing that right back to the, the day-to-day, only the stuff that they can control. Very, very interesting. Let's switch from kind of sport as, the, as, as a livelihood for individuals to sport as entertainment. And if we kind of think about sport as an entertainment industry, I saw some numbers um, last week that in the U.S. alone, sport is a $200 billion a year business. You take that globally, and it's obviously a multiple of that. Whether it's the Premier League or it's Wimbledon or as we just talked about, it's the Olympics, you know, a huge vacuum has opened up in terms of the availability of sport as an entertainment industry at the moment. Um, what are your thoughts around that at the moment? Yeah, I think it's it's funny um, because I, I don't think we really understood how important sport was to society and to how people interact not just from participating but actually watching and you know the 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 fan side of it how important it is it, it is you always laugh i kind of joke with my liverpool friends is they like you know you you know their whole life seems to or their year seems to go around the the liverpool matches in the premiership but once you take that away there is there is such a there is such a vacuum um and i think like for me Looking at this, and now that I'm probably a little bit more away from the game, I have missed that watching rugby, and I have I have missed um, 
participating in team in team sports and not necessarily the actual activity but the actual camaraderie that that come that comes with it um but also what's been really really stark is the financial rea- the financial reality of all of this and how utterly reliant we are on the consumption of um of sport so the broadcasters like now i doubt any business ever plans for a five month uh, period where they will have zero revenue mm-hmm. um but if you, you know you you know re- reading the articles yesterday in the financial times and they're talking about all the sponsors of these events now are looking to renegotiate um and it always looked you know six months ago we looked at it as a, a pure upward channel and it's like uh broadcasting deals are only going to get more and more uh lucrative that that paradigm seems to have massively changed and how we have been consuming uh sport seems to have changed as well yeah do you think that the sport as a kind of as, as a live event as a and and then sport kind of if you like as a digitized event where it's available through streaming or through media to what extent is you know, as we kind of take the example of what the NBA and the, the Disney um, collaboration is thinking about at the moment, where sort of the, you're almost creating virtual crowds to support real teams that are playing, but where all of the audience is going to be a, you know, a digitized uh, audience. What do you, how, do you, how, does that, how does that kind of play out? I'm, I'm really conflicted in, in this because... I think we need short-term measures to get sport back in because, as I was saying, the it provides it's it's so ingrained in people's lives. Um, so I do think live sport needs to be resumed, and if that's if that's what it takes, my concern is that um, that's only one half of the argument because there's a cultural aspect and a societal aspect um, to sport to live sport. Um, you know, if it's an Ireland England game in Twickenham, if it's an Arsenal Tottenham game in um in in the Premiership, where if we go down that road of live and inverted commas virtual events, can we come back from them? And that's the bit that I I'm I'm very conflicted on because live sport is not just about the players on the pitch and the and the fans and the the so it's 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 the whole it's the whole um environment and that does need to be protected and it needs to be curated um and i think the as long as that's factored into it i think whatever needs to be done in the short term but how do you come back from that is is uh is i suppose is something that i'd be, I'd be worried about yeah that's uh, i guess in some respects, it's a bit like the a movement in the music industry where if every entertainer is is, is performing with a dubbed um, audio track, it's not the same as as as, as performers pre- performing live. Yeah, I think there's that as well. But I think it's also if you, you know, what's, what's that phrase? You know, you're Sunday afternoon heroes, people who can perform um, with no pressure. Yeah. You know, I think part of sport and part of being in the cauldron is that pressure does funny things to you. Um, how many people could have done that drop goal with Johnny Wilkinson off their off their off their wrong foot? That's a player who thrived under pressure. Ronan O'Gara thrives under pressure. But is it the same pressure? I could probably hit that kick if um, if there's you know no people in the, in the stadium because the 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 feeling of consequence isn't there. The crowd adds a fear element to it, and the crowd adds um, just add, adds that that something that makes players either 
throw a terrible pass or throw a brilliant pass and and i think if you remove that that's where you are you're playing you're playing over over a dubbed band you know the guitarist's not going to make a mistake you don't have to react it's not live there is still a a family feel around sport i would have gone to sport with my father and would have gone to it and there's always an interaction you, you like it was still that parochial feel to sport and i think that is really really important and to play like what's your reason for playing the you know the tournament then is it's a financial one and saying and that is you know you see all the cvc coming into rugby now and i think if we if rugby fully if sport sorry fully sells its soul to the paymasters everything there is there will be consequences to that um so i think it might be an emotional argument at the moment and we're saying you know i don't I, i want to play in a Ryder cup but i want to be able to I want to be able to feed off the crowd. Um, if we remove that from it, and it's purely around, well, you know, we need money to come in the door. I think it, it, it's very you're you you are fighting for the soul of professional sport, really. Yeah, very interesting. Let's turn. Let's turn. Um, now we've kind of talked about professional sport and and sports and entertainment, but ninety nine percent of the sport that gets played around the world is not played by um, illustrious athletes. It's played by um, you know, the regular Joes that are going out for a hit of tennis or a, a round of golf or, you know, a trip down to the gym or a Sunday morning kickabout. Um, how do you think the pandemic is affecting the way that people are thinking about their own participation in sport, the wellness aspects of it, the need for that sort of engagement? Yeah, my 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 overriding sense is and, you know, you 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 take your you take your I suppose your cues from your your immediate circle and you know probably a prisoner in a couple of hundred whatsapp groups and everybody is dying for that um interaction and one of the things are like why is sport so pro- as, uh, popular as you said like it's 99.9 percent of it is 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 amateur there is you know it's the endorphins you get from participating it's the competitive element it's the social element it's the you know um switching off from your from your devices it provides such an important part of society that it needs to be facilitated and you can see you know and i i you know read the papers in england read the papers in ireland sport is front and center with this obviously in its appropriate position behind um you know the the, the front line but this is this is um one of the next conversations in, in in behind it um and my my sense is that people really really need it in their lives to feel balanced um and once it's done in a in a, an appropriate way and i think that's where the guidelines and the directions become very very important you know and we have a pilates studio and we have constant contact from our clients you know saying you know when you open you know we want to come back once it's safe um and i think that's the overriding feel it's like almost coming back from an injury once you go back into it the and it's you follow the guidelines and you know it's safe that initial period there will be a little bit of angst around it but that's for me that that is absolutely normal but then the the muscle memory and that emotional memory of what sport does and how it makes you feel afterwards will come back and again that overriding want to participate will 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 feel natural again and um, but again it's it's under this absolute um umbrella of as long as it's safe and appropriate i think everybody understands understands that globally which is which is good Gordon, thank you so much for taking the time to chat this morning. Um, It is, as ever, a real pleasure to talk to you and uh, wishing you all the very best.
You too. Thank you so much.